Our scripture today comes from the book of Habakkuk, chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. Let us listen to God's word. The prophecy that Habakkuk the prophet received. How long, Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? Or cry out to you, violence, but you do not save? Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abound. Therefore, the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked him in the righteous so that justice is perverted. And God replies, Look at the nations and watch. Be utterly amazed. For I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe, even if I told you. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. We can't really do a monologue from the perspective of Habakkuk. For most every other prophet in the Bible, we get details about who they were. Amos was a shepherd. He was a fig farmer who traveled to the big city. And Isaiah, he was the court prophet, a professional, respected for his connection to God. But what we know about Habakkuk is very simply this. The prophecy that Habakkuk, the prophet, received. That is it. His name was Habakkuk, and he had some sort of conversation between him and God. Except, except we know that Habakkuk saw something in the world, some tragedy stole into his home, something happened that he threw out his hands, looked up at God, and from somewhere in the depths of his soul cried out, How long, Lord, must I cry for help? I know that you can hear me, so why don't you listen? How long do I point at this brokenness, this mess, but you don't bring healing? Aren't you the God of justice? Why am I staring at oppression? If you showed up, if you just showed up, if you brought the wind and fire, then the wicked would tremble. They would be afraid. They would do what is right, but justice never wins. Keep losing. Because our God won't show up. See, all the details of Habakkuk are forgotten. Everything except this, this cry here in our scripture, here in this book that describes what we believe about God, the book of confident assertions and inspiring miracles that describes how God has worked and will work. This book full of Moseses who pray and the Red Sea opens up, and Davids who face giants and giants fall. Here, in the same scripture, is Habakkuk. Not because he killed a giant, not because he crushed an army. Habakkuk is here because he is courageous enough to keep praying even when God didn't. Show up. I was sitting with a woman some years ago after her husband had suddenly passed, very unexpectedly and far too soon. Just the day before, we'd been praying in the hospital room 
praying for a miracle of healing, for doctors, for his spine to heal, for the other victim of the wreck. This faithful Presbyterian woman, who would not clap during worship, wanted to lay her hands and bless him. Anything. Anything. But now here we were, he'd slipped away during the night, so we were sitting in her kitchen, the two of us, and she looked at me and said, Michael, will you please pray for me? We bowed our heads and I began to pray. I didn't have words, but I prayed anyway. I stopped and I glanced up for a moment and saw that her head was still bowed, hands wrenching this handkerchief in front of her. So I dropped my head, trying to come up with more words, something comforting to say, to reassure her, and she started weeping. Before I could fill the silence with some words, she broke in. Lord, my friends tell me you're cruel for letting Carl die, and I don't know why you did. You could have. You could have. And for a time, everything that could have been just hung in the air, floating above her wringing hands. I reached out and I squeezed tight like that touch was the only thing keeping her from drowning in grief. And she spoke again. God, you could have done something. I don't understand why you didn't. But I know you've met me in my breaking. Please don't leave me. That's Habakkuk's prayer. When the brokenness, the pain, the violence, when it's beyond understanding, beyond hope, Habakkuk reminds us to bring it to God anyway. When we are still waiting, when hope is now gone, bring it to God. When the dementia is here and it's not going away, when the violence has been done, when it's already broken, when they're already dead, when it's too late, when God didn't show up like we wanted, he could have. A month ago or a year ago, if he'd shown up, life would be completely different. But we're here, and it's too late. That's Habakkuk's prayer. It's the prayer if Moses prayed for the Red Sea to split, but it didn't. If Moses, if David went to fight the giant, but the giant didn't fall. How long, O Lord, before you hear us, how long? You see, God promises life and healing, but not everyone gets the healing miracle. God promises freedom, but how many of us still feel like slaves to our sin? So when? When is the freedom? God promises perfect love that will cast out fear. But I look around and we're still hiding. Does this look like heaven to you? Does this feel like heaven to you? Habakkuk's prayer is for when our only answer is to say no. No, it doesn't. How long, O Lord, before you hear us? Several months ago, I had fallen asleep on the couch, too tired to even make it to the bed. It's my nightly ritual, really. Until something wakes me up. It's late, completely dark. Then by the stairs, I hear a bump against the wall. Immediately, I assume it's the eight-year-old child, 
But out of terror, I began shrinking into the floor, assuming, well, maybe it's not her, and there's something else in the house, and something must be going on. So I began to yell, Brian, Brian, there's something in the house. And I look over, and Brian is out cold on the other couch in the living room. I began debating in my head whether my mind is just torturing me or if I'm actually going to be attacked by some sort of shadow monster. When the light of the moon comes perfectly in the window, something cuts across that moonlight, and I realize it's a bat in my house. Scared of waking up my daughter, paralyzed myself on the couch, I start hissing again at my husband, Brian, Brian, the bat just circling above us. Normally, my husband wakes up because a door slammed two streets over, but tonight of all nights, he is sleeping like a brick. Brian! No. Finally disoriented by me, he rolls over and asks, Oh, is it time for bed? Time for bed? It's code red. There is a bat in my house, a bat flying around my house, bumping off the walls, fluttering, lurking, a dirty, nasty, creepy bat. So he looks up and flips on a couple lights and tells me, you sure? I don't see anything. (laughs) Really? And because sometimes God does show up, in that moment the bat zooms right in front of his face, directly down the hall, and into the bedroom, where our newly adopted daughter is blissfully sleeping. It's a sign of my intense desire to get the bat out that I didn't even take the opportunity to gloat. There was no time for I told you, sir. We needed to get this bat out of our house. Completely misunderstanding our current predicament, my husband tries to show me this video from the office where a bat gets into the building and Dwight, the lovable, socially challenged one, suits up with a football helmet and the lid of a trash can to get the bat out. I kid you not, he pulled up the video. Brian begins laughing because all of a sudden we're in the same predicament as they were in the office and I stare at him in complete disbelief, no laughter coming out of my mouth. When he finally realizes what's going on here, he says, I'll go capture the bat. At which point, he picks up a blanket. Y'all, a blanket. Because that's the weapon of choice for a bat. He picks up a blanket and enters the room where our daughter is completely asleep. The bat zooming around like some demonic NASCAR driver. And my husband, God bless him, starts trying to time the circles and catch the bat with the blanket, right? So synchronizing his swings to the flight of this bat. In a moment, I hear a triumphant, ha! Very quickly followed by, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. And a long silence. He comes back out of the room and he goes, good news, I hit the bat. Bad news, I don't know where it is. I become more intense at this news because there's a bat still in my house, probably crawling somewhere into my clothes or sitting on the bed rail. This is what I imagined, just peeping over while my daughter's completely asleep. I don't know. I'm terrified. Ryan searches the bedroom like a ninja, not trying to wake up our daughter. He's carrying his little flashlight, looking through everything he can find. And he confidently says, we're not going to find it. Let's just go to bed. <laughs> 
I didn't sleep a whole lot that night. We left a couple windows open, hoping it would find its way out. And then the next day, we looked in the light of day to find this bat, which is a silly endeavor, because they don't like the light of day. And as we searched every corner of that house, my husband confidently declares, it's gone. It must have found its way out. So when I woke up the next night to bumping and fluttering, I rolled over ready to hit him way harder than needed to wake him up. And as soon as I moved, he said, I know, you were right. Got up, opened an escape pass for the bat, picked up his blanket, and began synchronizing his swings. I can look back now and say that I wasn't very rational those nights. It was more than just having an animal in the house. You see, I've chased a possum out of my kitchen and rescued snakes. The bat, though, the bat in my house, it felt haunted. It felt haunted. Like the evil of the world, the brokenness and the creepiness, the evil, the violence, the fear, all of that that I can normally ignore, I can normally leave behind when I close the door, I can normally push away and feel safe here with my family, feel the peace and the hope and the blessings The bat stole all that. Suddenly, my home wasn't safe. It was haunted by this thing. It's funny because I know the world is haunted. My literal job is to walk into those haunted places and speak God's words. I know that sin lurks like a monster in the shadows and its power tears apart what is good and beautiful and pure and leaves things broken and hopeless. I know. But that night, the brokenness followed me home. I couldn't forget. I couldn't shake it. Maybe what Habakkuk says, maybe what he says is we should not forget. We shouldn't forget that the world is haunted. Because some people live with worse than bats, and they can't get them to go away. The dementia is here, and it won't go. The healing doesn't come. Children live in war zones, and refugees are starving. Women are fleeing homes that should be safe. The world is haunted. It is haunted by sin. Our worlds are haunted by sin. And we remember, we remember that this brokenness haunts our hearts too. We are courageous like Habakkuk even to remember Because when it feels like hope is lost, when it is too late, when everything indicates we should give up, God is still God. We carry it to God. Habakkuk's prayer, how long, O Lord, you could have fixed it, how long? We pray. Because there are things worse than bats that haunt people's homes and hearts. The beauty of this text is that Habakkuk does not pray to a God who is dead, and neither do we. Habakkuk's prayer, it ends with this ridiculous promise. God speaks back into the haunted darkness, and God says, Look at the nations and see. Wait and see. 
Don't forget the haunted corners. Bring them to me and be ready to be utterly amazed. For I will do something in your days that you would not believe, even if I told you. Habakkuk's prayer. How long, O Lord, how long will this world be haunted by injustice? How long will my heart be haunted by sin? How long, O Lord? And God's reply, wait and see. Wait and see. I will do something that you can't even believe. Let us pray. Lord, we know our worlds are haunted. We know our hearts are haunted. And we ask that your voice would come clear into the haunted darkness, that we might hear it, that we might feel your spirit, Lord God, knowing that things may not change, things might stay very much the same, that hope will be hard to find, that death will come, anxieties won't flee, addictions will plague us, dimension will rule again. Lord God, we know the reality of this haunted world, but give us ears to hear your voice and hearts to trust you. In your holy and precious name we pray. Amen.